It's a good thing I like the sound of my own voice. Hey, you turned me down. We don't really need to. Yeah, um, I just feel like you just led us to where we need to be, Curtis. Um, yeah, this idea of, you know, asking, asking for what we need and um, this idea that we um, are empowered to ask, that we have a, a good God who wants to give us good things. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, I just wanted to talk about this idea that we're empowered by the Spirit, and I was going to leave it there, but um, yeah, I feel like uh, we're, I just wanted to add on or tack something on to the end of that. We're empowered by the Spirit um, for a purpose. And um, I, I remember when I was a, just a boy, not, not the church I'd say that I grew up in, but a church that I sort of went along to when I was very young because my grandparents went to that church. I, I, remember, um, I remember the, um, the gifts of the Spirit were you know, very on display. Um, I'd go there and there'd be people falling on the floor and there'd be people praying in tongues and, you know, there'd be public interpretation of tongues and, um, uh, you know, like baptisms were, were a big thing. And, um, yeah, I found, I found myself just accepting, you know, that, that this is, this is what the Holy Spirit is. This is how the Holy Spirit works. You know, when you're a child, you, you, you know, my mum took us to church those days. My dad didn't go and she would say, Hey, this is, you know, this is the Holy Spirit. This is, this is how it works. This is what he does. Okay, great. Um, and probably later in life, I discovered, you know, the spirit is the spirit of truth. And, um, you know, we, we walk this inner, inner journey of, um, of uh, truth, you know, open up the windows, let the light in. And, um, you know, there's this, this idea, this concept that I have a, an inner life um, that's accessible to the spirit if I would open up the windows and, um, and let the light in. And, um, you know, I, I, think, I, think we, I think we focus on that around here. I don't think that's a secret that, you know, we, we, um, we often talk about that, this heart journey and, um, Marcel spoke, well, Marcel opened up last week with this, um, with the Lord's prayer, you know, um, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he, um, he talked about this idea that, um, you know, our understanding of a good father is often, um, uh, intertwined with our, um, perception of our earthly fathers um, and how that can, um, you know, sometimes warp or, or, or set us in good stead for an understanding of who, who this good God is. Um, yeah, and so uh, I, I guess I wanted to talk this morning, um, well, I guess I've been thinking about that and I've been thinking about, okay, well, what, what, what would it be like on, on the end of having um, come to an understanding of there is this inner life, this inner journey in which, you know, I may have received or believed lies um, along the way, but the spirit of truth wants to come and impart his truth, open up the windows, let the light in. I guess I wanted to sort of reach beyond that a little bit this morning and, um, I think, I think I, you know, we've, we've been along this journey, you know, I've been in this journey with a bunch of you guys. And I think, uh, I think in the inner heart journey, I would sometimes, you know, suggest to myself that, um, you know, I, ha I have been journeyed, you know, like I have come a certain distance. I have, have come a certain way, but I think lately I, I feel like it's probably a more humble or a better approach to consider, um, uh, on the back of understanding, 
you know, that I have a good father who um, has all that I need and that the spirit of truth is available to me to um, come against lies that I've believed and let light into dark places that maybe, maybe where I actually find myself is at the starting line. Um, um, and that's, that's, you know, that's not a biblical concept. I if that doesn't help you, that's okay. I just find that uh, approaching the topic in humility is probably a better way for me to go. So, but I think this morning, um, I guess I, I wanted to maybe just reach a little further, reach beyond the starting line. And we spoke last week about, um, you know, this idea of, um, of standing, you know, putting on the full armour of God. And so I think I couple those two, you know, like I, Marcel spoke a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, about uh, God the Father. And then we spoke last week about, you know, standing, standing on truth. And then so I think in my mind, I think, well, if I have journeyed some way, even to the start line, uh, is it possible that, um, in moments where I understand the goodness of God and have, you know, decided to put my hope and my trust in him. And then I find myself wearing the full armor of God and, and learning to stand. What is beyond the start line? What is beyond that place? I think that's where I want to go today. And, and I think, um, you know, humility in that place leads me to recognize that I am the captive that continues to need to be set free. So I don't in any way think that, you know, reaching the starting line means that I don't need more truth, more freedom, you know, more areas of my heart that have been held captive, um, you know, to be set free. But I guess to, to answer the question for myself, maybe, you know, get to the punchline early in the piece is that um, beyond that place, beyond that place where I recognise, you know, that I am able to put my um, hope in a father more than I had previously in that place where I have learned to stand and wear the full armour of God. Um, I guess in that place, I find myself living, um, not always, but more often in an environment of faith. I suppose would be would be the the best way that I could describe it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, in an environment of faith, and I find myself, um, I guess, feeling more and more empowered by the Spirit because that's the environment where the Spirit um, can best operate. So, um, I think I just wanted to consider, <coughs> amongst all of this, that we have a role to play. And I've, I think I've found that exciting. I think I find that exciting lately that, um, <coughs> you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You know, it's like when I recognise that I have a Father in heaven and all the goodness and all the truth about him, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that I have a role to play in seeing his kingdom come. You know, I'm not on the sidelines. <coughs> and so I wanted to, I wanted to visit John 16 this morning. Um, so this is just, just a bit of a, a precursor. So... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I don't know who gave the guy with asthma the microphone. Thanks. Um, <coughs> so Jesus is, Jesus is talking to his disciples about, he's talking about his death. And he says, he's, he begins to talk about the spirit. He begins to, and this is a new concept. This is a new concept to the disciples that don't, they haven't received the spirit in the way that, that they did when, um, you know, the spirit came upon them at, at Pentecost. But um, Jesus describes the spirit um, and he, he starts to say, well, it's better that I go away. It's better that the spirit comes. And uh, he describes the spirit as the helper. He says he's the, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor. You can find these, these names in, in scripture. He's our counselor, our strengthener. And he calls him the spirit of truth. <coughs> and he says that the, the spirit of truth will share what I know of the father with you and he'll hold nothing back from you. So that's where we pick up. This is John 16, 22 to 24. And it says... <coughs> <clears throat> so for now you are in grief he's talking he's still talking about his death and his disciples have an emotional reaction he says so for now you're in grief 
but I'll see you again. And then your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Thank you. And no one will take away from you your great joy. In that day, you will not need to ask me about anything. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name as my representative, he will give you. Until now, you have not asked the Father for anything in my name. That makes sense. They've been with Jesus. Anything they needed, they, they would just ask him. But now ask and keep on asking and you will receive so that your joy may be full and complete. And I think, <clears throat> I think the thing I'm most excited about reading that is that I, I think I've come to realize that Jesus is speaking to us. He's not just speaking to his disciples. And so I asked the question, is this how I'm is this how I'm supposed to live? Was Jesus just talking to his disciples or was he talking to me? Because he says, until now you have not asked the Father for anything in my name, but now ask and keep on asking and you will receive so that your joy may be full and complete. So I think, well, if this is how I'm supposed to live, then I'm supposed to be asking. That's what Curtis was, you know, challenging us with this morning. You know, like, what, what would you ask? Because we have a good father who wants to <coughs> teach us to receive. And so I guess to answer that question, I sort of went back to John 15, and I'll hit you with another scripture. This is John 15, 1 to 8. It says, and, and look, this is one that we really know. I was almost loathed to put this in here because, you know, we, we have spoken at great length about, you know, the heart journey, receiving, you know, truth, this inner journey, this setting the captives free, this walk of freedom. And, and we've used this scripture so many times, but... Um, I think in an attempt to reach beyond and look beyond the starting line, I just wanted to go over it again. So John 15, one to eight says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have given you, the teachings which I have discussed with you. Remain in me and I will remain in you just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can, can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers and dies. And they gather such branches <coughs> and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. I just want to read that again. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. So I think I'm caught by this idea that beyond the finish, uh, beyond the, the start line, there is fruit to bear and I have a father who wants me to bear fruit. In fact, it brings him glory when I bear fruit. And I think when I read this, I think, um, gee, do I have access to what this is talking about? Do I live like this? Do I, <coughs> do I take this seriously? He says to his disciples, he says, you know, you are clean because of the words I've spoken to you. And <coughs> I just want to say today that, you know, like we qualify. You know, like we are the ones who have been, been cleaned. You know, what was, what was the point of the cross? You know, Jesus, Jesus shed his blood so that we would be washed, clean, um, sanctified, redeemed. 
Hebrews 10, 14 to 16. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you, but <coughs> you know, I, think, I think I've possibly read um, you know, that scripture in the past and just been a little unsure, you know, like, am I, am I he who has been cleaned? Because if I have been cleaned, then I qualify. Do you know what I mean? But Hebrews 10, 14 to 16 says, For by a single offering he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. <coughs> and then he goes on to talk about the Spirit. So that's you and me. That's you and me. So we, we qualify. And then he goes on to say, And also the Holy Spirit adds his testimony to us in confirmation of this. For having said, This is the agreement, testament, covenant, that I will set up and conclude with them after those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their hearts and I will inscribe them in their minds, in their inmost thoughts and understanding. You know, that's why we go through this process of the heart journey. That's why we look at our inner being and <coughs> consider, you know, um, where darkness might um, have a, a corner or a piece of us still. <coughs> because we want to create this clean heart for this imprinting and this um, inscribing on our hearts and minds, his ways, his understandings, his, his laws. <coughs> so we are forever and completely cleansed. <clears throat> and therefore, I guess this is the good news, you and me are those who may ask for whatever we wish. That's pretty cool. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I'm pretty pumped about that. I'm pretty excited. <coughs> you know, like, I think sometimes we don't feel clean. And, you know, you might think, oh, you know, I, I sin, I'm a sinner. Well, Jesus is talking to his disciples and Peter is there when he's talking to his disciples and he's talking to them about, hey, ask and you'll receive. <coughs> Peter, Pe Jesus knows that Peter's about to go and deny him. And yet he still says to Peter, you are cleaned. So despite sin, despite the things that you have done or will do, you know, Jesus ends up on the seashore redeeming him. And it's like, by grace, we are redeemed. So despite the way that we feel about this idea that we are cleaned, it's true, we are cleaned and therefore we qualify. I think though, I think though that it can sound, um, I feel like we need a framework around this. I feel like we need some parameters because if the only thing that we take from this is, oh, I can ask for whatever I want, <coughs> which is true in itself. But if we lack understanding, um, if we lack uh, an understanding around what Jesus is, is trying to convey, then, um, you know, we could go off and I guess just ask for, you know, you know, the example before, you know, the pool. <laughs> I want to be in the pool forever, you know, if I was Archie. Maybe that's what I would be requesting. But um, in our household, we, <coughs> we've, we've tried to, um, I guess we try and talk to our kids about God and, um, you know, give them some understanding of how he works in the Holy Spirit and Jesus' role and, and it can be hard to try and take a faith um, that is a relationship and, you know, try and instill it in a child. <coughs> and we made the mistake of letting our oldest daughter watch Frozen. And there's a lot of, um, I guess there's a lot of magic in Frozen and, and th there's, no, um, there's no getting around it. Like she's, she's a bit of a princess, you know, she loves unicorns. She loves this idea of magic. She loves the idea of, you know, waving her hand and that something would happen. Do you know what I mean? And... <coughs> Um, Mercy sitting in the back seat of the car the other day. I often will rest, you know, my hand up on the headrest of the other seat. And uh, she says to me, magic off. And I move my hand. She says, magic on. <laughs> and I put my hand back. And she loves to think that magic off and magic on is, is her doing it. And I think we could potentially uh, look at this story the same way. Thankfully, we've got 
um, alley to teach the kids all the things that we're teaching them wrong. Thank, thank you for Kids Church. That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah. No, I, I am grateful for this village. I am, I am grateful for the people here and, and for the things that, you know, um, I, may, I maybe don't have that, you know, you can instill in my children. I, I do appreciate that. Um, I think uh, Mercy was in the car two weeks running. She has to go home from church for a nap. And both weeks she says, Daddy, I want to stay at church with Curtis. <laughs> she just thinks Curtis is the best. So I, I am, I am, I am grateful. But um, you know, like God is not a genie. You know, there's a reason. It's not magic. There's a reason why um, He's suggesting that we could ask for whatever we want. So how does this work? <clears throat> and and I think as well, um, I think this is an important piece of the puzzle because I think it would be easy to take this and go away and ask for something, not receive what we decided that we wanted and then become discouraged. So I think we just need to understand how this works a little bit more. <coughs> so I think, and, and this, is a, this is a letter that, that James wrote. This is James 4, 1 to 4, and I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of it because he's speaking quite... Um, He's speaking quite harshly to a group of people, but I think this really helps us put a framework around what we're talking about today. It says, <coughs> What leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts, conflict, conflicts among you? Do they not come from your hedonistic desires that wage war in your bodily members, fighting for control over you? You are jealous and covet what others have, and your lust goes unfulfilled, so you murder. You are envious and cannot obtain the object of your envy. So you fight, fight and battle. You do not have because you do not ask it of God. You ask for something and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, out of selfish or with an unrighteous agenda, so that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your hedonistic desires, you adulterous, disloyal sinners flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend that is loving the things of the world is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You know, Jesus makes it really clear that the difference between receiving what we are entitled to, uh, to ask for what we wish, <clears throat> the difference is our motivation. What do we intend to spend what we receive on? Do we intend to spend it on ourselves, on our own selfish desires? <coughs> or do we intend to see his kingdom come? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, if I am motivated by the kingdom come, then my desire has changed. That's why Jesus says, you know, remain in me and I'll remain in you. That's why we go on this heart journey towards this, the start line, if, if you're okay with calling it that. <coughs> that's, a, that's an important piece of the puzzle. So when I am cleaned, when I'm cleaned, I'm cleaned of these selfish motivations, these selfish desires. And Jesus, Jesus is intending for us to know this when he says, ask for whatever you wish. So he's not just a genie in a bottle. It's not just magic, you know, magic on, magic off whenever we want. You know, Jesus is speaking to those whose desire is to see the kingdom come. Um, <coughs> we were speaking last week, not to everyone, but just in our, in our group in this this idea of healing came up in our group. How does, how does healing work? You know, that's something that, <coughs> you know, ties in well here. Like, would, do, we, do we ask for healing? <coughs> would we ask for healing? <coughs> Maybe I need some healing. <coughs> and um, we just started to throw this idea around, you know, like, would I ask for healing? Is that okay? Um, 
how does it work exactly? And um, I was thinking, I guess I was thinking ahead to this week and sort of knew that, you know, what I'd be sharing. And um, I just said to the group, um, you know, I think, I think there is power in heaven um, for healings. I think that is true. Um, and we started to talk about this idea of speaking in Jesus' name. And so <coughs> when, we, when we ask for something boldly in Jesus' name, we, we are making a declaration that we understand his will. You know, your will be done. So <coughs> when, a, when a king is sitting on his throne, say, you know, cast your mind to some sort of medieval movie that you've seen and, you know, picture a king sitting on his, his throne with a crown. He doesn't, he doesn't go out and do the work, does he? He gets people to do his bidding. You know, he calls his, his son or he calls, you know, someone in authority and power that he has given that authority and power to. And he says, go to these people and speak to these people. These are my words. This is what the king says. And that person, you know, whether they take a note, whether they take his words, that person has authority to speak because of the name of the king and they speak their message in the name of the king. And so they have authority to speak to those who are required by law to comply to the words of the king. And it's no different. <clears throat> you know, we have a legal right to speak healing when we, are, when our desire is changed because we are clean. So we therefore qualify to ask for whatever we wish and receive it. That's how it works. I feel like we just needed to put that, that framework around. Does that make sense? I feel like we can't just go off and be asking for whatever, for whatever it is that we want. We have to check our hearts first. That's, this, um, that's the important part of this inner journey, this um, understanding of our own desires. And so I think back, I think last time I was sitting here speaking to you guys, um, I cited, uh, you know, um, Peter, you know, Peter, Peter was so full of the Holy Spirit walking through the streets, you know, um, people would, he would walk past people and his shadow would touch them and, and they would receive healing. <coughs> um, and, you know, he, Peter is walking to the temple and he sees, you know, a lame man on the, the ground and the lame man's asking him for money and gets his attention. And in that moment, um, Peter speaks boldly, you know, like he doesn't speak this tentative prayer. It's like he knows who he is. He knows that he is the ambassador who has been charged, <clears throat> excuse me, with a message. He has been charged with words of the king. And so when his laws, his words, his understanding is inscribed on our hearts and minds, we can look with love, not fear, not with uh, hedonistic desires, not with um, feeling like we, we lack, like we don't have enough, like we need to get you know, all that we can from, you know, from a God who might, you know, give us what we ask for. We don't have to pray a tentative prayer because we know his will. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. My desire has been changed and therefore um, I qualify to ask for whatever I wish. And Peter in that moment, understanding completely his qualification, says to the man, get up and walk. I don't have any money, but what I have, I'll give you. Get up and walk. And he performs a miracle. <clears throat> and you know, I have a think, I think we have a God who wants us to ask. I think it's true that he wants us to ask. Yeah, sometimes I, we, we pray these tentative little prayers for something that, you know, if we, we feel if we pray it the right way or, you know, if our heart is in the right place on that day that we potentially might receive something. But I think that's why we need to come to this understanding of who our father is and who we are. You know, I think Marcel put it so well a couple of weeks ago. It's like some of the most important questions that you can come to terms with is who is God and how does he see me? And I think as Marcel put it, you know, our, our perception of God's thoughts toward us are really our perception of who he is. I thought that was a really great way to put it. Um, 
you know, that's why David said, you, you know, how precious are your thoughts toward me? Because they reflect our relationship with him and who we believe he is. Open up the windows, let the light in, let the truth in to know who the father is, who we, who we truly serve. And then allow him to fill us um, with uh, confidence in the authority that we are his ambassadors, that he has inscribed on our hearts and minds his will, that our mission is to go out in this world and see his kingdom come. When we know that we are in that place, when we have made it to the start line, we can reach for more. We can go beyond just this inner journey, which takes us to the place where we potentially have what we need, um, you know, daily, our daily bread. You know, we have something to offer. Um, Jesus talks about, um, you know, uh, this idea of the start line is not biblical, but this this idea of, um, you know, the cup being cleaned and then filled and then overflowing, that's biblical. And Jesus spoke about, um, yeah, this idea of the, the Pharisees, the religious teachers, the, the, the pretenders, um, the people of the law in those days, he called them whitewashed tombs, you know, um, on the outside, all clean for a man to see, but, but he sees our heart. That's why Jesus said, <coughs> if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united, my message lives in your hearts. Ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified and honoured. He wants us to glorify and honour him by asking by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my, my true disciples. When we live at the start line, when we reach beyond, even tentatively and apprehensively, <clears throat> we can be filled with confidence to ask from a good God who wants us to ask from him and keep on asking. And it's to his glory that when we ask, we receive so that we would bear much fruit. It's his testament to the world. And um, I mean, John 15 says, ask and keep on asking and you will receive so that your joy may be full and complete. We serve a God who wants us to ask. Um, You know, two weeks ago, Curtis started, which I thought tied in really well with what Marcel had to say. Um, He shared the story that God woke him up and said, hey, Curtis, um, I'm resharing your story. Hopefully I get it right. Ask me for treasure. Ask me for something. And uh, I think in that moment I started to think, oh, what, you know, what would I ask for? You know, what, what would be a good thing? And then uh, my heart was checked when Curtis said um, that he asked for peace. You know, he asked for what he needed for that day to see the kingdom come. And then he asked for wisdom. He asked for his daily bread and then he asked for, you know, the wisdom that Solomon asked for. And then he asked for boldness. <clears throat> boldness to, to, to um, see the kingdom come. You know, that was Curtis's motivation, I'm sure. And so I just want to, I guess I want to touch on, um, you know, having, having cited you know, miracles and um, reaching beyond the starting line and um, having what we need um, and having a, a good God who has so much to pour out and, and so much to, to give and who wants us to ask and, and us recognising our authority and our place on earth and, um, you know, being filled um, by the Spirit for a purpose to see his kingdom come. I guess on the back of that, I just want to um, acknowledge that we don't always feel like that. We don't, we don't always feel like it. Um, I think, I think in a moment, you know, where Curtis is singing and playing his guitar and faith rises and, you know, um, we're lifting holy hands and, um, you know, I think in, in that moment where our minds are focused on the things that, um, are pure and good and righteous and upright and holy, um, 
in those moments, um, our desires and our emotions are changed. But I don't, I, I don't always have that experience. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like I'm in that place and I'm really encouraged by that experience. But, I, but honestly, mornings are a battle. I feel like that's, you know, battle time. It's, it's the time for me to take 10 minutes to get my head into the place where I would be in a place to receive something. You know, where I sometimes feel like, gee, I don't have what, what I need for me. You know, I don't have my daily bread um, in order to, you, you know, someone, someone says, you know, what would you have for the world around you? I, I, I would say, honestly, I don't feel like I have a whole lot sometimes. Um, and so I just wanted to read... <coughs> Just wanted to read uh, Matthew 17, 14 to 21. And, um, so this is, this is just after Jesus has taken a couple of disciples up a, a really high mountain and they've experienced, you know, Jesus just starts to glow and he starts talking to, um, to Moses and who was the other one? Elijah. Um, and, and I think if you had that experience and you were Peter, you would just be so convinced, you know, you'd like... This is, I am walking with God. Like, this is so the right thing. Um, and it says that they were just awestruck and fell on their faces. It's like this experience where um, you could be, you could not be convinced or convicted of anything else, but the person that you were walking next to was the son of God. That's the experience that he had, but, but others didn't. And so it's interesting. The first, the first line here, starting from verse 14, says, when they approached the crowd, so they're coming back to those who didn't experience a transfiguration. When they approached the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, kneeling before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, moonstruck, and suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and, and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they were not able to heal him. And Jesus answered, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. So Jesus seems irritated by this. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, why could we not drive it out? He answered, because of your little faith, your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. For I assure you and most solemnly say to you, if you have living faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And if it is God's will, it will move. If it is God's will, it will move. There we go. We've already spoken about that. And nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind of demon does not go out except for by prayer and fasting. So Jesus makes it clear, <clears throat> you know, in moments where I don't feel, I don't feel like I have faith you know, I don't have my mind on transfiguration experiences where I'm just part of the crowd and I feel like I'm not even, I don't even have enough, you know, for me, let alone for someone else. He makes it clear that um, the key here is faith. I guess if you don't believe uh, in the authority of the one who has sent you, then when you speak his words, you won't necessarily convince whoever you're speaking to because you don't even believe. So I think, um, I think we need to come to a place first where we believe. And I think, I think that's the difference in a moment where Curtis is woken up in the morning. It's like um, the father says, hey, ask something of me. We have a father who wants us to ask, but are we in a place of faith to receive? You know, I, I was driving to work the other day and... Um, I, I wasn't experiencing, I was experiencing some negative emotions, probably anger, um, some disappointment, some hurt. I think I was, um, 
yeah, I, I wasn't in this place where I felt like if God asked me to ask him for treasure, like I would have faith to receive. And um, I, I think I recognized that in the moment. And I, I started praying and I, you know, I find it important in the mornings because I know that my entire day is set up based on what it is that I experience in the morning. And I want it to be um, an experience where um, I receive peace and wisdom and boldness and all the things that I'll need to see his kingdom come during the day. You know, like wherever you work, uh, thankfully I'm involved in a work that I feel has, has great purpose. And so I want to um, make sure that I remain in the vine um, so that I recognize my own qualification to bring him to whatever uh, I'm a part of that day. And, and I just wasn't there that day. And so I was driving to work and I just recognized that. And I said, God, I, you know, I feel like I'm just not, I'm just not in this place. Um, and so I, I just started praying, God, what, what is it that I need? And he said, why don't you focus your mind on the stories that you know? And I started to think about, um, you know, heroes in the Bible. I started to think about miracles. I started to think about, um, Peter speaking to the lame man, I, you know, my favorite story that I shared a while back, you know, David coming back from battle and his hometown's been plundered and all his wife and all his goods have been, um, you know, taken, taken and um, his army wants to kill him. And he said, the Bible describes that they can't even move, that they're so grieved that everything is gone. And David's, um, it says, and then David inquired of the Lord. It says first that he went and strengthened himself in the Lord and he inquired of the Lord, you know, should we pursue and will we overtake? <clears throat> and God says, pursue, surely you will overtake him. I remember that story even now and faith rises. And I was driving to work in the car and yeah, I wasn't the only one like I think of... Um, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the, in the fire. I think of um, Moses standing at the Red Sea. I wish I could talk a little bit faster. I think of uh, Daniel in the lion's den. And I just thought, man, if you can do that, if you can do that, I just started, you know, praying and setting my mind to, you know, the things that he's doing in my life, in my heart that he's done that I know are true, um, things that I know are true in this group of people. Um, so I think about my kids. So I think about um, his promises. Just turn on the worship music. Started thinking about uh, young Ella. It was a promise to pray and live. <clears throat> I'm losing it. <laughs> Sorry. And I've, I went from this place, within 10 minutes, I went from this place of feeling like I had nothing, nothing to offer, not even enough of myself, to receiving my daily bread, <clears throat> to focusing on things that would allow faith to rise, to bring me to a place where I remembered who he is and so I could remember who I was. <clears throat> oh, I remember rolling into the driveway with tears in my eyes, um, just feeling in awe, just in awe of him 
you know, it was didn't experience the transfiguration in the same way that the disciples did, but um, I was just convicted and convinced in that moment, just in awe of who he was, that he could do anything today. And I remembered who I was. You know, the one sent out with words of authority. You know, you speak for the king. You qualify as those who have been cleaned, set apart. And therefore, you can ask for whatever you wish, provided it's his will. But you know his will because it's been inscribed on your hearts and minds. So you can come across any circumstance. Maybe it's just sitting at your desk like I was that day. But you can speak boldly to that circumstance. Because you have authority because you've been given authority by the one who has been given all authority in heaven and earth. Yeah. So I guess the question that I want to leave us with today is, if this is true, what would we ask for? If this is true, what would we ask for? You are empowered by the Spirit for a purpose, to see his kingdom come. And when we allow ourselves, apprehensively even, to reach beyond the start line, when this inner journey has had its way with us, when we're no longer whitewashed tombs, not discounting the fact that the temple continues to need to be cleared of things that are not right to be in the temple. But when we find ourselves in a place where we come to some understanding that we have a good father who has so much for us, so much power to pour out that we can ask for it and that we will receive, we can ask for what we wish, Would we choose to live like that? And would we ask? And what would we ask for? Yeah, I think it's an exciting question. And maybe we don't live with this front of mind. You know, maybe we pray tentative prayers. Maybe we don't recognise that um, his ways, his laws, his understandings have been inscribed on our hearts and minds. Maybe we don't have faith or confidence in that yet. But it's true. We just read the Bible today. That's all we did. It's all there. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. That's what he said. So he's with you. He's in you. And then we get to ask for whatever we wish and it will be done for us for the purpose of seeing his kingdom come. If our purpose is to see his kingdom come and not to receive in selfishness for our own hedonistic desires, we can ask with faith of only the size of a mustard seed and could move a mountain if we ask for what he wills. We are his ambassadors. You know, he's with us. It's exciting. It's great news. This is our role. We have a role to play in seeing his kingdom come. Anyway, I feel, I feel excited about that. Yeah. We're going to have a chat about this because I'm sure I'm not the only one with the experiences. I'd love to hear, you know, where you guys are at with this. So two groups maybe today. Curtis, or you want to keep us all together? Two groups? Sure. Cool. All right, well, let's break off and have a chat. Thanks, guys.